Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. You guys look wonderful today. Turn to your neighbor and say, You're looking good this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Scotty for giving me the opportunity to preach this morning and I'm going to ask you to cut me a little bit of slack. You know, I, I found out yesterday about lunchtime I was preaching today. And, uh, you, and some of y'all, well, you probably need to be ready in season. And I'd like to see you come up here. And you, you do it after you found out yesterday at 12 o'clock. All right. Well, today's sermon title, it actually comes from, it was a few weeks ago. And I was standing over there. And sometimes during ministry time, I honestly don't try and prepare ahead of time. I honestly try and come here and be led by the Holy Spirit as best I can. And uh, I shared something about the temple and about praise. And Brother Scotty said, "Woo, I like that. You need to preach it sometime. And then yesterday, I, after he, ta- he called me, I was at a soccer game. And a part of that came into my mind, along with something else. But today's title is Praise, Worship, and Prayer. And we're going to focus today on intimacy with God. Now, there's not a whole lot I'm going to share with you that you don't already know but I believe, hopefully, that I'm going to remind you some things. Because I think there's a lot that comes out of intimacy with God. I think we can't be as influential as this church needs to be if we don't each have individually a great intimacy with God. I saw a couple of quotes yesterday about intimacy with God. And one was from Charles Stanley. And he calls it life principle number one. Our intimacy with God, his highest priority for our lives, determines the impact of our lives. Francis Chan, he says, again, our marriage problems are not really marriage problems. They're heart problems. They're God problems. Our lack of intimacy with God causes a void that we try to fill with the frailest of substitutes, like wealth or pleasure, like fame or respect, like people, even sometimes like marriage. I believe this is Sid Roth. He said, as you develop intimacy with God, the supernatural becomes natural. I remember reading an autobiography about Smith Wigglesworth, strange fella, but he was. But one thing he would do when you'd visit him, he would be in his little house. And and if you tried to come in the door with anything other than a Bible, I think somebody came to visit him one time with a newspaper and said, you're not bringing that in my house. Only thing allowed in this, there was no TV, there was nothing. The only thing allowed in this house is a Bible. For, for you to walk in the supernatural, there has to be an intensive intimacy with God like nobody else. To be like nobody else, you got to be like nobody else, right? This is from Oswald Chambers. A life of intimacy with God is characterized by joy. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about today, we're going to talk about it. How do you add intimacy with God? Some of you did it today already. It's a part of it. And lastly, Bill Johnson says, royalty is my identity, servanthood is my assignment, intimacy with God is my life source. So let's talk about that for a minute. So on the the title, it said, intimacy with God, praise, worship, and prayer. So the first thing I want to talk about is prayer. And I want to talk about our intimate prayer with the Lord, your intimate prayer with the Lord, my intimate prayer with the Lord. There's a time for intercession. There's a time for praying for people. And and then there's a time of intimacy that we each need with the Lord every day. Guys, how many times have we heard this? We've heard it our whole life, right? Haven't heard it ever since Sunday school. But here's the question. How many people, how many of us do it? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. 
okay? I've been there too. There's been a time in my life when the only time intimacy I had with God was when I'd come into praise and worship. And the reason I like praise and worship here in church so much is because that was my intimacy time with God because I didn't really have an intimate prayer time with God. It was just my praise and worship time. And then there's some people that just have an intimate prayer time with God, but they don't praise and worship God. So we're going to talk about today to have true intimacy with God. You've got to have personal prayer time. You've got to have praise time and you've got to have worship time. You've got to have all three. The Bible teaches us that. And I'm going to show you what the Bible teaches. Hopefully you'll smile at me after this. Some of you give me this look like, oh, I don't don't like what he's talking about. You know, I grew up holiness. I'm not trying to be a holiness preacher, but but I grew up holiness and I felt like my, my, my feet hurt every time I left church. I don't want that to be in the house today. But at the same time, I really feel like the Lord has prompted me to challenge all of us to look at our intimacy with God and say, can it be improved? Because it's our life source. It makes our marriages better. Our influence is better. Every, it gives us greater joy. And it comes from the deep recesses of who we are. So in Mark one thirty-five, and this is Jesus. This is Jesus now. Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, this, of course, is... Oh, next picture. There's next picture is a, is a picture of my actual front porch. It's not dark. But that little um, brown chair off to the corner uh, in the front of my house, that is my solitary place. Okay, I go there in the morning at about, what time is it? Like 5.50. Now, let me just say this. Have I always done that? No. Okay, so I'm not getting up here being like, Mr. I got a pedestal, I'm better than you. I did not. It's only been recently, because I I was one of those, I love to sleep, I can't get up kind of person. And I finally said, you know what? I'm going to get up and drink one cup of coffee. I never drank coffee, but I'm like, I'm going to drink one cup of coffee so I can wake up. I'm going to get my shower. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to get one cup of coffee. And I'm going to go out front, which I like that little spot because I can see kind of over the houses and I can see the sky and it's kind of dark with the stars. And I did it one morning. I sat out there and I was like, and then I started, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just remember saying, Lord, thank you for my home. Thank you for this, for my coffee. Lord, you know, you're halfway asleep. And you know, Lord, thank you. And I, you know what? I started thanking him for my wife and for Lorna and for Asa and for Jonah. And then I started thanking him for my mom and my dad. And then I started thanking him for my sister and her husband and my niece and my nephew. Then I started thanking him for my half-sister and her husband and her kids. And then I started feeling kind of good. I just started thanking him. And then I just started talking to him. And I, and I started crying. And I said, man, I've been missing out on something special. I've been missing, and I just, and then of course, because I'm, I'm one of those Holy Spirit tongue-talking crazy people, I guess, in private, I, but I'll do it in public too. You know, what you do in public is often an expression of what happens in private. It starts in private, and sometimes if I don't know what to pray, I'll just start speaking in tongues. Jude 20, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? That has become my most favorite time. The kids are still asleep. Lindsay's just getting up, stirring. And it's not long, but it's awesome. And it's intimate. And I look forward to it every morning. And you just have to start it. You just have to start it, guys. And there's some, if Jesus modeled it for us, there's something special about it. And, and why am I saying this? I'm saying this because it'll help you. You're, you're, I even had some people at work saying, uh, you're acting a little different this year. I said, everything okay to do anything wrong? They said, no, you're just different. And I said, well, the only thing different is I'm, I'm getting up early and 
And uh, she said, you're just different. And I said, well, I'll take that as a compliment. You know, I'll take that as a compliment. And there's a peace. There's a joy. Like Oswald Chambers says, there's a joy there. Matthew 6, 6, New Living Translation. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. This past Wednesday night, we're having our small groups. Uh, by the way, of course, this Wednesday night, we're not having small groups. We're, we're going to be having our first Sunday meeting. Of course, Coach Scott is going to be in the house preaching. need to be here. But I was here this past Wednesday night, and, and Mike Wilson's in my group. And uh, we were talking about prayer. And he said, you know, honestly, during this time of my life, and I asked permission to share this, he said, I actually go get in my closet. He said, I go and sit in my actual closet to pray. Your prayer room, your war room, whatever you want to call it. But the question is, do you have a private place? I have kids. I need a private place. Okay? I mean, you may be married. Sometimes you need a private place from your spouse. I love my wife. I love her. She's not here today. She's in Louisiana with her best friend. But we all need a private time with the Lord in a private place. And it's biblical. I want to encourage you with that. So, how do you pray? Lord, I don't know. Okay? Let me just say that. Well, you're Robbie, you don't know how to pray. Listen, I know the scriptures, but what I'm trying to say is, is when you pray, just let it, let it be from you. You know, you don't have to impress me with any words. When you start trying to impress me, I just say, mm. yeah, I, I don't, I don't, because I don't think Jesus operates like that. He, he knows you. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He's just longing for you to get out there and talk to him. He's just waiting. He's sitting there just waiting. Come on. Come on now. Come on. Just be honest with me. You don't need to do all that stuff. Just be honest with me. Just talk straight to me. King Solomon had it. King Solomon talks about this in Ecclesiastes. Now, again, this is before the Holy Spirit lived inside of him. Of course, he had the Holy Spirit on him. But King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5.2, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Now, he's not saying don't talk to God. I think one of, those, one of our, our prayer forefathers said, I don't pray over five minutes, but I don't go five minutes without praying. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about length. What I'm talking about, it, it just comes from the recesses of who you are. And I'm also talking about sometimes you need to be quiet enough to listen when you pray. And guys, listen, I'm not trying to talk down to you. I, I've, I'm learning myself. I'm getting closer to the Lord each day myself. And I'm learning sometimes, even this morning, I just said, I just need to be quiet and listen. Lord, what do you, what do you want me to say? He was telling me some things to say this morning. He told me this morning to tell you about listening. Because I was listening, I heard him tell me to tell you about listening. You don't need fancy words. Just pray with your heart and find something to be thankful for. If you don't have anything else to pray, you can just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Or you know what? You, can, you have something to be thankful for. Lord, thank you. I have a chair to sit in. Lord, thank you. I had a cup of coffee this morning. Lord, thank you that uh, I've got shoes. God cares. And he wants to hear that you're thankful. How would you like it if every time you, if somebody came to you, they're always griping and complaining and wanting something? Hmm. Wouldn't it be nice if the first thing you heard was a little bit of thankfulness? God is real. He's not some mystical thing out there. He's real. He's a real God. 
And he wants to have a real intimate relationship with you, and he can because of Jesus Christ. So this is kind of our focal scripture. If you want the focal scripture, and a lot of you guys, what's the focal scripture? What's your basis? Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. This is one of the basis scriptures, focal points. And it says, rejoice always. And we're going to talk about rejoicing in just a minute. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the next thing I want to do is talk about, we just talked about intimate prayer with the Lord, and the next thing I want to talk about is praise. And everybody's quiet. Praise. Let's talk about praise. Is it biblical to praise? Do you just have to wait until you, you, you just have to wait until you feel something and then you got to praise? You know, um, we're not moved by feelings. We shouldn't be moved by feelings. We should be moved by faith. Sometimes we just got to step out there because we've got something to praise him for. We got something to worship him for. When we come in this house and our, our, we have the most phenomenal worship group here and they lead, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. You, you really are blessed guys. I don't know if y'all have been to a lot of places around the country, but you really, really, really are probably even more blessed than you realized with the praise and the worship that we have. I mean, we should be like lifting up the roof every time we come in here. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But there is a model that was established for us when it comes to praise and worship, and it was been established all the way back to the time of Moses, and it was the temple. When God established, he created the temple with Moses, and then, of course, he had David save up billions of dollars worth of gold to build the temple. He couldn't build it. Then Solomon built the temple. And then, of course, we know the temple was destroyed. Then they rebuilt the temple around the first century. And we know that based on prophecy, what's going to happen? It's going to be rebuilt again. Okay? And then there's going to be a heavenly temple or something or another in the new Jerusalem. There's something special about this temple, ladies and gentlemen. I can go all day talking about that. But it gives us a model of how to get close to God. It gives us a process of that intimacy, of that flow of getting close and intimate with God. Well, the first thing is praise. Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Well, let me, let me show you what this is talking about. So in this next picture, you're going to see... This is actually a depiction of what the temple looked like in the first century when Jesus was on the planet, okay? Now, of course, in the center, that is the actual, you've got the temple right there in the middle, you've got the courtyard, but on the outside where you see the yellow, those are two gates that you would enter into. The the yellow in the middle, that is the western gate, and actually, if you jumped off that wall, which I would not recommend... Okay, if you jumped off that back middle yellow era wall, you would be falling about 80 feet, which would hurt you really bad. But right there to the left is the Wailing Wall. You guys ever heard of the Wailing Wall? And of course, that's where the Jews go today because that's the closest they're allowed to get to where the temple should be. We know today that where the temple is, there is something called the Dome of the Rock. And the Dome of the Rock is a memorial to where the followers of Islam believe that Muhammad ascended into heaven. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? All right. It's a bunch of hooey. You don't get me started on that. All right? Now, based upon what the Bible teaches us, one day that's going to be rebuilt. Like it or not, I, I even tell my students, say, hey, when you see that, that Dome of the Rock destroyed, woo, you better get ready. You better get ready, ready, ready. It's coming soon, okay? Well, anyway, the point is, is when they would come in that western gate or when they would come in the southern gate to the left, he's saying, walk in 
to God's presence, just the beginning, it's like walking into this house. When you just walk in the door, you need to start thanking him. You need to start getting yourself ready. You need to start getting your mind ready. When you come to him with that time of intimacy, even in this house, you should be thanking him when you walk in the door, not griping about what the preacher did last week. Not griping about, it should be a time of thankfulness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and then it says, enter his courts with praise. And let's talk about the courts for a minute. Now, if you look on the next slide, let's talk about his courts. You see the red arrow? The red arrow, you see there's like a, you go through a little, to the left of it, a little, little wall, and there's another wall. Well, the red arrow, anybody here Jewish? I'm, I'm just being serious. Anybody here Jewish? Okay. Nobody's, okay, we got somebody that's part Jewish, one person. Where? Balcony. Okay, we got one person Jewish right over here, okay? We got two people. We got two people. We got two? All right. These two people are special. They are. Because all the rest of us would only be allowed in that red area. That's the court of the Gentiles. That's it. We can't go any further into the temple. We can't go any further into God's presence. Under the old code, we're stuck right there. Now, those two beautiful people right there, they would get to go into the blue... And, and right even the blue is not even the outer court yet. That's not even the outer court. The outer court is actually right in front of the temple, the big, big tall thing. And in the outer court is actually where the Levites would go and some special Jews. If y'all were special, y'all might get to go into there, okay? All right? But we're in the outer of the outer courts. Us Gentiles, we were in the outer of the outer courts. But still, it says, enter in these courts with what? Praise. Now, I'm going to get to some good stuff later. You can shout later in a minute, okay? You probably know where I'm going. But right now, we're in the outer. But even in the outer, they can still hear the music. Now, some people want to argue and say, well, there wasn't any music going on in the temple. Well, I beg to differ on that. So let's talk about that for a minute. Psalms 150, 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Next picture. This is actual depiction of what it was like when they dedicated Solomon's temple. That looks like a few musicians to me, okay? Maybe just a couple. I mean, you've got the guys with the cymbals. You've got the guys with the harps. You've got the trumpets. You, there's some loud stuff. In 2 Chronicles 29, 25, and it says, And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres. It was loud. It was noisy. It was music. They were praising. It wasn't quiet. It was like what we have in this house. It was loud. And we like it like that. According to the commandment of David and of Gad the king seer and of Nathan the prophet, for the commandment was from the Lord through his prophets. Even the further focus that it was a place of praise. I'm going to show you the next slide. This is in Jerusalem at the Temple Institute. At the Temple Institute, it is an organization of Jews, Orthodox Jews, that have begun to, to establish and make everything for the future temple that's not been built yet. Guess what they have already built according to Old Testament regulations? Some more instruments. They've got harps. They've got trumpets. They've got lyres. They've got all that stuff. They are ready to praise in a temple that's not even been established yet. They're even training. The next guy you have, one of the Levites is being trained to go ahead and play this sucker. 
So they believe in praise. And why am I showing you this? Because it's a model of what we're to do. And we're at a whole different level. I'll get to it in a minute. I want to go there, but I'm not there yet. We're at a whole different level. And let's talk about David for a minute. Why should we praise? Well, David gave us a great example of praise. You praise because the presence of God's in the house. David, it says, and David danced with all his might. We've got the little next picture. He's there in front of the ark. I can't show you the real picture because, of course, we don't have a real picture. But it says that the only thing he was wearing was a linen ephod, okay, which basically is something like that, okay? And he didn't have any underwear on. I mean, he just, that's, that's it, okay, you know? But he didn't care. The presence of God had come into the house. The presence of God, the ark was buddy, and he just was a dancing. He just a going at it. I don't recommend you do that here in the house with the whole clothing thing. The elders are going to get you out very fast. Okay, we want you to praise, but please come in here clothed. Amen, 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 please, please, amen. But the point is, is that David, 2 Samuel six fourteen, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. Now let's talk about pride for just a minute. I got to talk about it. Because one of the things that holds us back from praise, I'm talking about your intimacy with God. And praise is just as important as personal prayer. A lot of people don't praise because of pride. Let's talk about David. I'm not going to talk about you. Let's talk about David. David had a right to have some pride. He was the king. It'd be like our president times two. You know, basically it'd be the Supreme Court, the legislature, and the executive all mixed together. Okay? And then number two, he was a warrior's warrior. It would be like the head of SEAL Team 6. So you take a president and the head of SEAL Team 6, you mix it together, and they walk in the door of this house. Would you expect them to praise? But guess what David did? Not only did he praise, he wore on some hardly no clothes and just went to town for Jesus and for God. Now, if David can do it, guess what? We can too. But here's, here's what I think. Pride gets in the way because we're not focusing on God. We're focusing on ourselves. Because if we focus on the King of kings and Lord of lords and we're doing it for him, we're not going to care what anybody else thinks. We're not going to care about our pride. We're not going to care about our situation because it's about him. It's not about us anyway. Okay? All right? I'm going to challenge you with that. 2 Samuel 6.21. David said to Michal, this, is his, this was his uh, wife. From, it was Saul's daughter. And, of course, she had been used to Saul being all prim and proper and everything. And she sees David out there dancing before the Lord and before the anointing of the Lord. And David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. And it's like she was making to him, oh, how how you've elevated yourself today. How you embarrassed yourself. So embarrassing. And he said in verse 22, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. I hope you don't have a Mikhail spirit. God didn't call you to judge, he called you to love and to support. And Mikhail, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So let's talk about the outer court where the Levites would go into. So, of course, in the next slide, this, of course, is the outer court. This is where the musicians would be. Only Jews could go in here. This was the, and, of course, right in front of that would be the altar. 
Most of us in here couldn't get that close to God's presence. We weren't allowed. And then next, only the special folks went into the next two. And the next in the yellow, that, of course, is the, uh, you have the outer court, the inner court. The yellow was the inner court. And in the inner court, of course, was the menorah. Of course, they've made a menorah. It's in Jerusalem right now, a few million dollars. You've got the menorah. You've got the um, table of showbread and the altar of incense. And, of course, only certain priests went in there to uh, light the menorah, set the incense, and, of course, to put the bread there on the table of showbread. And then in the red area... That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, which represented the presence of God. God's presence only came upon the Ark of the Covenant and a prophet, priest, and king. Everybody else, so sorry. And the only person allowed close to the Ark where God's presence was come, the only person was the high priest once a year. And he had to tie something around his foot because if he didn't do all his sacrifices stuff right, he would die. And then nobody could go in after him because they died too. So they had to pull him out with the rope in case he died. Which was, I'm sure putting on the rope was a little bit nerve-wracking. Okay? <laughs> on your foot because if you might just die and then somebody's got to pull you out. Okay? But the point is, only he could get close to the presence of God. Now let's talk about worship. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We get to get close to the presence of God. We don't have, we don't have to wait to, to be the high priest. We don't have to wait to go once a year. We don't have anything tied around our leg. We get to get close to the presence of God. And in the Hebrew, in Genesis 22, 5, and what's amazing is this, this, this Hebrew word, uh, I'm, I don't know Hebrew, I know a little Greek, but shashon, whatever. Anyway, I Anyway, it's a Hebrew word, and in this verse, it's actually talking about Abraham going up to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he talks about, we're going to go up there to worship. And he uses this word. You know what's also kind of amazing about this? It's because guess what's on top of that mountain today? Mount Moriah. The temple. Okay? So anyway, this is the verse. And that word worship there means to bow down, to depress, to prostrate oneself. In the New Testament, the word worship in Matthew 2.11 says it means to kiss the hand towards the one in token of reference. And this passage right here was when the wise men came and it said they worshipped little Jesus. And it basically means to kiss the hand towards the one in token of reference. You know, when you begin to worship God, I think naturally your head just starts to come down a little bit. When you start to worship God, those knees just kind of want to hit the ground. When you start to walk in that intimacy with God, there's just something about your whole being that you just got to get low because it's not about you anymore. You, you go low so that he can come up high in your life and in your spirit. And there's something powerful about that. Um, in 2 Chronicles 5, 13 through 14, this is one of the best examples. And this is when Solomon dedicated the temple. He had, they had spent billions of dollars to build this, and they're, they're dedicating this temple to the, to the Lord. And it said in verse 13, it came to pass as the trumpeters and singers, again the praise is going on in the worship, and as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with the cloud. You want this house to be filled with the cloud? It's not up to the worship team. 
It's not up to me. It's up to your individual intimacy. When each of us walks in here with an individual intimacy the way that God intended, brother, from the first note that's hit, you'll be about, about to hit the floor. Because it's, it's, it's about this corporate place, this corporate anointing. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water. You minister for God out of the overflow. And when each of you becomes intimate with God, there's something that just becomes to pour out of you, and then it gets hold of that next person. It pours out of them, gets hold of that next person. Next thing you know, you're just on your knees and you're shouting. You don't even know why you're shouting on your knees because the presence of God's in the house in a phenomenal way. It's up to us, ladies and gentlemen. Do you want it? You know, one of the worship songs today says, raising an army. Do you want to be a part of that army? If you want to be a part of that army, don't wait for Brother Scotty. The Holy Spirit, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's inside of you, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to wait. So it says, the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When you worship... It's such an intimacy. You, you just can't even hardly stand. You can't even hardly sit still. Now we'll get to the good part. Now all that I've talked about, talked about the temple, I've talked about praising, that we're out on the outskirts. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a model. And we're at a whole different level today. And the reason that we're at a whole different level is because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not the arrow on the outside anymore. Right now, we can go all the way to the ark if we want to, ladies and gentlemen. You can touch it today. If you found it today, you could touch all over it. Nothing would happen. And the reason being is because Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for our sins and became that perfect sacrifice, that veil was torn in two. You can walk in there. You can be all around it because guess what? The Holy Spirit's not limited to a golden chest anymore. The Holy Spirit just doesn't come upon us now. It used to just come upon the prophet, the priest, and the king. Ladies and gentlemen, it lives inside of each and every last one of you. You're like a walking Ark of the Covenant. Wherever you go, the Ark of the Covenant's going with you. David danced because the Ark had come into the house. What would he do today when it lives inside of him? Do we realize when we come into this house and in our intimacy and in our praise and our worship how blessed you are? Over the billions of people that lived on this planet over the years, you are in a better situation and a better opportunity than anybody has ever been. You have no excuse. We have none. But we have a reason to praise Him. When you sit in that intimate time with God to pray in the morning... I don't have to teach you how to pray. you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You need to lift your head up high and say, Woo, I got the ark in me, brother. I don't have anything to fear. I got the Holy Spirit in me. You got it. That veil was torn in two. Matthew 27, verse 50 through 51. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom. And the earth shaked and the rocks were split. So why do we need intimacy with God? We need intimacy with God with those, those first few things that I showed you at the very beginning. Intimacy with God helps you with your marriage. It helps you with your influence. It helps you have the encouragement and peace you need in life. It gives you joy. 
It gives you strength. You want revival in this house? How many of you want revival in this house? How many of you want such a revival that your neighbors ask to go to church with you? You don't even have to ask them. They ask to go to church with you. Well, I'm going to challenge you, and, and I'm not the senior pastor, so I can challenge you, and I can just, I want to challenge you big time. Work on your individual intimacy with God as I work on mine. If each of us will make a determination to work on our personal intimacy with God, all the things that you've ever desired to see will come to pass. My wife yipped at me for a long time that I needed to, to work on that. And, of course, how many of you just, it's hard to listen to your wife. I shouldn't, don't raise your hand. Never mind. All right. It's hard when somebody tells you the truth and you don't want to hear it. How about that? You know what I'm saying? And I know for some of you this may be tough, but I hope you, I hope you receive it with the right spirit. That I want to challenge you because I, I love each and every last one of you. I love Life Church. I love this house. And I think we've only touched, only skimmed the surface of how God wants us to influence and touch this city and this state and this nation and this whole world for Jesus Christ. And we can come up with every program on the planet. And trust me, I'm part of that. And I like the programs and the ministries and everything. But ultimately, the most important thing is your intimacy, your personal intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that's more powerful and more important. If you'll stand with me, please, and bow your heads. I'm going to ask this first and foremost. Musicians, y'all can come forward. Everybody bow your heads. Nobody looking around. I, I just want to ask this. We may all be believers in the house, but if there's anybody in the house today that as I have been speaking and preaching about intimacy with the Lord, you would say, Brother Robbie, I, listen, I don't, I don't even know the Lord. I don't, I don't know what it is to have a relationship with the Lord. Or, or Robbie, I've, I've walked away from the Lord. And, and I want to know, I want to know just first and foremost today that if I, I want to know that I know that I know that if I, if I died today, I would go to heaven. And I, I want to know that Jesus Christ lives inside of me. And I want to have that feeling today. If that's anybody in the house, you just, nobody's looking. If you'll raise your hand right now, raise your hand. Anybody in the house? I feel like I got to ask this. We may all know the Lord in the house and that's good. If there's anybody in the house to say, brother Robbie, I just want to make that, that commitment today. To know the Lord. Amen. Now let me ask this question to everybody in the house. How many of you would commit today with me to make an effort to improve your intimacy with the Lord if you'll raise your hand? You say, Robbie, I want to I improve my intimacy with the Lord. Man, there's hands all over this house. And I got my hand up. I put both my hands up. Okay, I can't do it with the mic, but I put both my hands up. You can look up here with me. Guys, I want to I end our service tonight with, with, a, with a worship song. Because, again, we did talk about praise and worship, did we not? And I even got you out a little early, so that's even more, even more wonderful. If you raise your hand, if you're willing, will you just come up forward here with, to, the, to the altar as just kind of a saying, saying God, God, I'm going to do better. It's not about feeling bad, but say, God, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better about my personal prayer time. I'm going to do better about my praise. I'm going to do better about my worship. Because, Lord, I want to just have that intimacy with you that I can't even explain. And, and, and as we worship here at the end of this service today, I just want you to just between you and the Lord, between you and the Lord, I want you to make that commitment to him. Not to me. Don't make it to me. Don't make it to me. 
make it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to work and, and I, I, I want to just feel you every day. I just want to sense you every day. I just want to be encouraged each day. I, I want to know when I, when I, when I answer, when I, you know what? When I answer a question at work, your intimacy is going to tell me what to say. I believe in the house. Some of you are going to start getting promotions because your intimacy with the Lord is so good that you're going to have wisdom come out of your mouth that you can't even believe what's going on. Now, if you guys got to go, you can go in the back. That's fine. I understand. But it's a little early here. But if you don't mind, let's just worship this song together and say, Lord, bring me to that next level. Come on. All right, Matthew. For what we like, your blood has covered. What we get is what you paid for. to Live Church of Mobile's podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at livechurchmobile.com.